Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's April 14th, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please, well, we say this at the beginning of every show, so it must be important to us here, but we're going to say it again. Please, remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. And that can be applied to a community leader that's a representative to their constituency as well. Just think about it. It's real important that if you become a leader or aspire to be a leader, that you you know, do it with distinction and you believe that it's an honor and a privilege and you do it for the people you represent in their interests, not your own. Working for a living is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, workingforliving.com, and you can follow us on Twitter. Working for a Living is often imitated but never replicated. Okay, folks, let's bring our uh, wonderful friend on here and colleague that's been on the show since its very beginning. And we were on a show together prior to this show. So uh, welcome, Jeff Brown. Thank you for being such a loyal, loyal uh, participant in this show for so many, many years. Uh, a couple of weeks ago was our uh, beginning of our fourth year, uh, not just our fourth season. So uh, how's your week been, Jeff? Busy. Uh, had a very busy week. So I get- Today I decided to uh, just sit down and relax for a while. It's good. How's your everything going? Oh, well, like you, it's been kind of busy. We've had a lot of stuff going on. And, uh, you know, we were on the phone a lot to our investigative reporters, uh, both domestically and around the world, in Canada and Mexico. Uh, and uh, so it, it's always busy. Uh, you know, we, we had uh, my phone started at 4 o'clock a.m. the other morning uh, when it was announced that uh, uh, UAW is going to have another ratification uh, vote, I'm so sorry, certification vote uh, at Volkswagen uh, at Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we're real pleased to see that. We'll talk a little more about that on the show. It's, it was a, a plank in our platform, as you know, uh, so we hold that whole effort near and dear to us, and we want it to be successful, and we're going to discuss a little of that later. Um, uh, you know, we didn't talk about uh, one thing that uh, was kind of sad. They had a uh, a gas leak 
uh, in an explosion in downtown Durham, North Carolina, over the weekend. One person was killed. Uh, we should probably have just a brief moment of silence in honor of that person and any other person that were killed in such tragic accidents that we may not be aware of. Please observe a moment of silence. Thank you very much for that. Uh, oh, my goodness, uh, I got to see you for a while. We haven't seen each other directly. I've been on the phone a lot and on the show a lot, but when I got to actually have lunch together on, on Wednesday, and that was always nice. Good to see you, my brother. Yep. Uh, and yep. We're both retired, and I got a chance to see that wonderful new Ford uh, that you now own. You want to tell? I know you did last week, but you know a lot of people might missed last week. So although it was a good one to catch, because we discussed a temporary situation uh, with regard to what the you know the contract is, and we got a couple a lot of emails, a lot of feedback on it. Uh, so, but if you uh, uh, want to talk about your uh, wonderful vehicle that you have and and some of the really wonderful features. Uh, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and do that? Give give your company a plug there because, you know, we don't want to be beating our companies up too much even though they, they sometimes deserve it. Uh, go ahead there, brother. Uh, about three weeks ago, I, I purchased a uh, 2019 Ford Escape. It was built in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, got some great... Uh, options on it when you stop at a red light the engine turns off and as soon as you take your foot off the brake it starts back up and you keep on going um, I really like it they built a, a really good car truck rather um, unfortunately Louisville is going down the white ship and those people are going to um Kentucky truck plant um, sales of the escape is not all that great, but if you're interested, buy one. I got a heck of a deal. Uh, I got $7,000 off the sticker price, and I plan on putting a lot of miles on it this summer. <laughs> uh, I made up my bucket list on where I want to go and what I want to do for this summer. Um, I really enjoy the vehicle. So I want to thank my brothers and sisters down there in Louisville. Good job. Right. They do good work there. Yeah. Uh, our investigative reporter who was up in uh, Tondawanda, uh, and uh, this came from several sources, by the way, uh, uh, in addition to our reporter that was there, um, said that the new General Motors products are doing that same thing. They're putting that uh, uh, delay or the, the motor shutdown at a, a complete stop after you've been going, not when you're trying to just warm your vehicle up, like you sat there in the parking lot with me and you warmed it up a little bit. But when you're traveling, if you come to a complete stop, that uh, motor sets right down, and as soon as you take your foot off the brake, you know, motor starts right back up again. It's just amazing. Uh, so that's going to stop a lot of things. Uh, one, you know, your mileage goes up. But two, you're not going to creep into a pedestrian as you might have if you you let your brake slip a little. As soon as your brake slips, that motor's going to start up. and You're going to know it. So 
it's an interesting feature, and GM is now doing it as well. So uh, they all have a Me Too uh, attitude about them. So, but I see Ford uh, seem to have it first. So uh, that's really nice. That's a nice, nice feature, and it's going to be good. Uh, you know, we talked about last week about the starters, but I, I sat there, and, I mean, it wasn't even a third of a second that that starter was engaged when you let your foot off the brake. I was just amazed, and the motor started right up, so they've done some really cool stuff regarding instant start uh, on these vehicles with little to no starter requirement once they're warmed up. So thanks to Ford and GM, and I expect Chrysler FCA doing the same thing, so... That's a really good, good feature, and it's it's amazing vehicle. That, you know, you showed me through all the bells and whistles there, Jeff, and I'm telling you, I'm I'm really happy for you, and I'm happy that we we our membership, our membership UAW builds such wonderful products. So yes, just uh, yes, we do. Really good thing. Um, so uh, what else went on this week? We had some snow here. Uh, in mid-Michigan. I think you got some for a minute. And they had another round of it this afternoon over near closer to Lake Michigan uh, that was coming in. They were supposed to get two to four inches. So it's uh, it's been an, uh, you know, an amazing spring. Uh, we rarely get snow uh, on the, what was that, the Friday the 13th? Uh, mm-hmm. Friday the 12th. Friday the 12th. Uh, and uh, it's rare that we get snow that late even if it's just an inch or so, you know. Uh, it, but it, it's happening right here before our eyes. I know, a few, you know, it's been almost a little over 30 years ago. A friend of mine and I played golf from Valentine's Day every day of the week uh, until uh, um, Thanksgiving Day. Uh, we didn't play. We played the day before Thanksgiving, and then we could have played longer, but we decided that was enough. It started getting pretty cold, but there, we played – and, and there was no snow or anything. Uh, it was warm enough to play the entire year. Uh, from you know, probably what what's that? Nine, ten months that we played. It was uh, uh, just an interesting uh, period of time. And here we are with snow in April, so we couldn't have done it this year. <laughs> so anyhow, well, well, let's get on I, with the I, show. I, Go ahead, Jim. I, I uh, coached little league baseball back in the eighties, and. Um, I remember us canceling a game in May due to snow, but that was 30, 35 years ago. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Middle of May, snow, and we had to cancel the game. Yeah. In that area, they, they canceled one of the Detroit Tigers games due to snow, that, yeah. that same time frame, somewhere in there. So, yeah. Yeah, we've we've had them late, but it's it's rare, that's for sure. But it, um, oh, uh, while we're talking about the happenings of last week, I was uh, pleased. Someone showed me the, the video of this, and I was just you know, my mouth dropped wide open, like you know what the heck? There's a, a, a congressman out of Kentucky that was um, questioning uh, the former Secretary of State John Kerry. Was a former senator as well, and this House representative uh, from Kentucky uh, asked him what his education was, and uh, he said that uh, he, he was there to discuss global warming. Since we're on the topic, uh, probably this is appropriate time to say something about it. And 
Kerry said he had a bachelor's degree, and then he asked him what kind, and he said, I have a liberal arts degree, and he said, what kind? And he said, finally said, I have a bachelor uh, in uh, political science. Oh, oh, so you're here pushing your pseudoscience degree, and you're not a scientist. And, you know, you're telling all us about the science of global warming and carbon dioxide that causes this. Uh, and Kerry looked at him and said, you know, are, are you serious? You know, a political science degree, everybody knows, is not a not a Bachelor of Science. It's a Bachelor of Arts, BA. So I don't know where they find him in Kentucky sometimes, but this guy, he was somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did talk to one of our reporters in the uh, Kentucky area that's politically active, and uh, uh, she was uh, telling me they gave him what for for being stupid down there in Kentucky. So <laughs> he's yeah. had a tough, Can, tough week after that. John Kerry attended Yale, Yale University. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was a member of the Skull and Bones uh, fraternity, him and George W. Bush at the same time. Right. So, oh, yeah. Same age, yeah. Yeah, uh, Yale's famous for their Skull and Bones. And, uh, a lot yep, of people Skull and Bones. Ascended to high places uh, yeah, from that. So, um, well, Having said all of that and, you know, sort of made fun of the, you know, some of the people there in Congress, you kind of go, oh, man, <laughs> I don't know where they got them. But, you know, I mean, they, they get crackerjack, crackerjack boxes everywhere, and they sometimes vote for them, you know. So um, <laughs> note to Kentucky, be careful who you send to Congress. <laughs> I don't care if they're R or D. Just be careful. <laughs> There's problems. Yes. There. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get on with the show. Let me take the uh, the, the odd ones this week, Jeff, and uh, we'll okay. go down with them. Okay. Working for a Living Radio right. Show continues to support Medicare for everybody, and you're hearing all manner of different versions of Medicare. Listen, Medicare works. It's been in place for many, many years, decades, and it works. You know, don't be fooling around with it. Just you know. You know, Medicare works. We don't need to be messing with it. And they're they're talking about some pretty good things, expanding it where you know you don't have to have any out of pocket, pocket, and they can probably you know get you know uh, uh, reduced rates for everything economy of scale uh, by having an under one house. And sure, it's going to cause some some consternation in the insurance industry that they should have been feeling already, I guess. But uh, they can do some stopgap, metagap stuff, and uh, they they know how to do that and things that they need to do. There'd be, you know, anything that's uh, not necessarily covered under Medicare that's, you know, um, uh, some of the stuff that's simply uh, at your request that's not for your uh, life. I mean, there's, you know, facial reconstruction, or not reconstruction, facial uh, um, uh, supplements that you might want, you know, all of the above, you know, some of the corrective things that, you know, even if you lost a bunch of weight, some people, you know, have some hanging skin that's not necessarily covered, but that would be something that could be, you know, an insurance that you could pay into if you feel that maybe you might need it someday. 
uh, and you just never know. And it, it wouldn't be just for that. It could be for just about all all things. There's, you know, you know, uh, uh, in augments and, and reductions of certain parts of your body that are desired or, or sometimes needed uh, that aren't covered by regular insurance. So uh, that Medicare thing. So you got don't mess with it too much because you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. All right. Go ahead, Joe. Okay, number two, working for the radio show continues to support the end of corporations being considered legal citizens. Number three, working for a living radio show vehemently opposes General General Motors' November 26th decision and admonishes them to reverse that ill-conceived decision immediately. Number four, UAW continues to urge boycott of the Mexican Mexico built Chevy Blazer. We support that. Number five, yes. due to the world cyclical economic reality and the 2015 Detroit 3 contracts, Working for a Living encourages all Detroit 3 retirees to immediately establish other streams of income sufficient enough so as to replace your current pension monies. Uh, to go forward on that a little bit, there is language in our Detroit Three Agreements and federal law that they just basically copied and pasted into our agreement that says if the pension fund falls below 80%, the uh, pension gets funding of it. The pension itself gets cut by 50%, and there's other reductions as well. So um, just... Uh, know that that's out there, and if you can establish another stream of income, please do that. It would be good for you in the future. So, six. Uh, number six, April 8, 2019, Automotive News reported new vehicle sales in China, long driver of global growth, remain in a slump after a grim 2018 that saw the first annual decline in decades. Recession coming to you, coming to a place, to a country near you soon. Yeah. Seven. Yes. yes. Seven. April 8, 2019, Detroit Free Press reported Michigan's oldest state employee union, the Michigan State Employees Association, MSEA, was placed in trusteeship Monday after years of controversy and internal feuding. Representatives of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees International, the union's parent organization, arrived at the union's Lansing offices Monday, Monday morning, locked out the, official, the officials out of their computers and sent its elected officers home. Eight. Number eight. April 8th. 2019, the journal Centennial reported steelworkers explained why they voted down Harley Davidson's contract offer. The current seven-year contract was set to expire April 1st, but steelworkers agreed to extend it until midnight April 14th. Local union officials say it's one of the biggest issues is Harley's use of temporary workers who are paid a lower wage than regular full-time benefit, full-time employees, and don't get the same benefits. And we must 
uh, announced that Harley Davidson is a UAW uh, representing company. Right. The, the steel workers had to do with this this local though somehow, Jeff. Right. Yeah. Years ago, they had the UAW logo on on the uh, on the Harley Davidson because I've seen them. Yeah. Um, uh, April 9th, it was reported that the UAW announced that it's filing for a new election, new union election, with the National Labor Relations Board for more than 1,700 production and maintenance workers at Volkswagen's plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. More on that later in the show. We're going to discuss that for you a little bit. It's one of our planks in our platform uh, that when we ran for high union office here at the Constitutional Convention, and uh, we held that that whole process and success of that near and dear. So go ahead, Jeff, number 10. Uh, number 10, April 11, 2019, it was reported that UAW Local 249 is to convert 44 temporary workers to full-time seniority members. And that's down in uh, Kansas City. That's the Ford plant in Kansas City. Okay. Ford plant in Kansas City? I only have 44. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's nice that they're doing that. And, uh, of course, that came after our last Sunday show. That happened Thursday afterwards. So we're seeing some some movement on these temporaries. Uh, We're pleased to see that whether it's us or whoever. I know they've been working on it a long time there, according to their letter, but uh, maybe we got a little push to help them along. So uh, 11, uh, April 12, 2019, Ford will be hiring hourly employee, uh, hiring hourly employment, uh, hiring hourly employees. The employment applications are online at HTTPS, colon forward slash forward slash corporate dot forward dot com forward slash careers dot html so you can play the show back to get that link uh, and we'll put that on the, uh, the show page as well okay go ahead Jeff I think it's the last one April 13th 2019 Bed Bath and Beyond announced it will close 40 stores uh, it's like recession is going to hit us real soon here, Leroy. All these uh, uh, retailers are closing up. Yeah, it's not a good thing. It's really sad. No. Um, yeah, I mean, you're. I mean, I don't know how many that you reported on last week and the week before. You know, we've had a lot of, a lot of these large box stores closing. Uh, you know, and some of them aren't necessarily tied to the Amazon uh, dynamic because you literally can buy the stuff cheaper, at, uh, and uh, especially those large items like um, comforters and sheets and blankets and things like that, and, and heavy pots. It's easier and cheaper to just go to your local mall and Bed Bath and Beyond and purchase those things. You know, because uh, the shipping on them will just eat you right up. You know, at furniture stores, same thing. I mean, you got chairs and stuff like that. That, you, yeah, they're available online. Do you really want to buy them? You know, and have pay that shipping cost almost double. Some people don't mind it, but you know, for us watching our, our, you know, pennies, you know, we got to sort of, uh, you know, 
your local economy. Because it's, uh, you know, and sometimes buying them online might be helping your local economy. You know? So, anyhow. Well, many thanks to all of our worldwide investigators, both domestic and foreign. Uh, we appreciate all of your hard work and your help uh, in getting us the very best and latest news for you. Uh, so, thanks again a lot. We really appreciate it. Uh, let's get to messages and email. Um, we, uh, which one's going to look best here? Uh, let's, why don't you do the odd ones here, Jeff? Okay. Thank you for your stand on the temporary issue. Is it really possible for people who violate the UAW Constitution to lose their membership? Name was held. The answer is yes, they can lose their membership. Do you speak from personal experience, Jeff? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We got um, yours back, though, didn't you? We got ours back, and, and on a side note, um, the uh, person who was responsible, um, who violated 504, transferring to another Ford facility, I see his name on the list. I have it right in front of me. So, Yeah, the person is a barred member from holding office ever. Uh, it is public information as it's on the Internet under the uh, uh, Public uh, Review Board website for the UAW. And if you want to find out who that was, you're going to have to go there because we're not going to report him out here for a lot of reasons because we don't want to – Pour, pour any salt in the wound here, but it's, uh, you know, there was a long, hard battle and a lot of bitter feelings over that. So, uh, Number two, and we, by the way, we got a lot of emails on that particular issue, uh, thanking us for that show on the temporaries, all of the, pr the problems with it, how the corporation is incapable of uh, administering the uh, agreement, and that there are consequences uh, if you violate the Constitution, and you can lose your membership. And the Constitution does hold that members should, uh, temporary work permits shouldn't be no longer than three continuous uh, consecutive months. No longer than three consecutive months. Okay, so that's, uh, that's something that we got a lot of feedback on throughout the week, and we actually saw some action on that and some verbiage. From one of the CEOs here. But number two, Mary, Mary Barra is out there spewing BS again. Name withheld. Well, uh, <laughs> I bumped my head. Really? <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about it. <laughs> what do you think, Jeff? <laughs> uh, yeah, she's making the, the world tour yeah, of uh, doing that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Number three, Leroy, can temporary workers vote? And the answer to that is yes, they can. Right. But they can't Thank vote you. on on the uh, shop floor um, district people, but they can for plant-wide and local-wide positions. Uh, as long as they're an active member. Yeah. Is there an active worker? I believe they can on anything, Joe. 
Okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember how it works. Right. Retirees can't vote on bargaining unit, right. anyone who handles a grievance at the local union level, and that's typically the bargaining unit and arguably the local union. Only at the local level. Okay. So. Um, okay. We clear on that then. Temporary workers should yeah. be able to vote on about everything. The retirees have limited uh, four things that they can be limited on. So five, actually. Uh, so off the top of my head, uh, and, and I guess might as well say it's uh, can't uh, vote to start or stop a strike. Okay, you may not vote on ratification. You may not vote for a uh, bargaining agent that handle anyone that handles. Uh, Bar, uh, from the bargaining unit that handles any local union grievances, and you may not hold an office that handles local union grievances. So that's where that hand that's out there. Okay, that's not recording them; it's handling them, as in you're negotiating uh, with, you know, or adjusting the grievance to a positive end for a member. Hopefully, that's what you're doing, right? So number four, uh, thank you for reporting. Uh, what Mary Barrett caused in the Mahoning Valley, uh, and that uh, is also like uh, Mahoning County and uh, Trumbull County, clear over into the Akron area a little bit, and into Pennsylvania, uh, Sharpsville, Sharon area in there. So uh, that covers pretty much the 25-mile radius or so. People working at that facility and the companies that supply them and and the Colgate Institute in the 80s uh, did a study and they found that there are 5.5 jobs that are spin-off jobs in the community from every core or primary job uh, uh, that's what bankers call prime job or a core job uh, so that's anything that you have that doesn't create debt to get it. Uh, for example, uh, if you're in a, uh, a General Motors facility, everybody that works there is getting uh, a paycheck uh, from the vehicle being sold. And uh, that vehicle being sold uh, allows that money to flow back into the uh, manufacturing operations and they can then get paid, and it doesn't cause any additional debt in their community. It's that debt that, to purchase the car. It's not always uh, uh, paid for with uh, credit, but sometimes, or most times, but a lot of times it's paid for by cash, and that's just that money flows right back into the communities where they manufacture them. And then from those jobs, 5.5 spinoff jobs in the community are created. So that's an interesting little dynamic. Uh, they're, they're asking to repeat the suggestions that we gave for the community last week. Um, okay. First of all, uh, there are a lot of domestic violence uh, and other violence happening in the community. Somebody's got a you know a letter or a bad day. They go out and they get mad, hit in the bar or whatever, cause a disturbance, get in a fight. Next thing you know, they're in jail, uh, or they're having a domestic violence. Next thing you know, they're in jail. Take a chill pill. 
if something's bothering you, get out of the house, walk around the block, and just relax. Come back in, tell your significant other, whoever that is, you love them, and you're sorry we're going through this. You just got to, you know, you just got to get through this because if you're going to do it by yourself, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder. Believe me, the two of you pulling as a team, then you're going to have a better chance of being successful and getting through this. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. We expect that there's probably going to be some kind of product there before too long. We don't know it, though. So just, you know, contain yourself as far as your violent nature might come out. And believe me, you know, we understand it. All of us do. But you got to contain it. you just got to get through this time. Next, you know, and that just doesn't violence. There's suicides going on, too. So the same thing applies to that. Okay. And these are being caused by foreclosures, evictions from your apartment or house, um, all of the above, you know, coming and taking your car, all of this. All of this is going on, and it's going to probably get worse in the country because we've talked about a lot of things not so good. But work with your lender. Work with your landlord. Work with your bank. Let them know what you're going through. The last thing they want is to have a zero coming in from where you're living. They'd much rather work with you and help you get through this time. You know, back in the day, there was a sheriff by the name of Jimmy Trafficking, James Trafficking, who later was a congressman. He's pretty famous in your Youngstown area, or infamous, depending on who you talk to. He was a friend of mine. And uh, nobody needs to talk bad about him to me because I defend him. If for no other reason than when the steel mills left, he refused to evict anybody from their home. The banks hated him. And he was the, as a congressperson, he was the highest vote getter of all time, and he had the highest percentage of votes of all time for any congressman ever alive, now or before, and probably into the future. In the history of our nation, people loved him in the valley. Honing Valley, that's the Lordstown area. So we don't have that kind of sheriff right now in that area or a lot of other areas. But, you know, if you work with your banker, your lender, your landlord, they'll try and work something out. You just tell them, do you really want to have a zero coming in from this house? Because there's a whole lot of people out of work right now. You can work with us, and we'll give you what we can, or you have a zero, nothing. So next thing in these domestic orders from the court, child support and or spousal support, any other thing along those lines, domestic order, they can take up to 50% for your, of your income and uh, for the original order itself, and they, you know, depending on my kids or how large your spouse and money is supposed to get, 50% is a max. And then they can take an additional 5% for the arrearages. That's federal law. Okay? I'm not a lawyer. Go check it if you want. All right? But that's what the, it's easy to find it. It's, it's there under uh, garnishment rules. And it's a federal rule. 
Okay, so uh, if you were working at a high-wage job and all of a sudden you find yourself making a whole lot less money in unemployment and sub or even just unemployment or nothing, you have three weeks from the change of your amount of money, three paychecks, which is essentially three weeks in our instance, to happy on down to the local friend of the court and get your order adjusted, okay? And they will adjust it according to what your income is. And they can do that up or down, depending on uh, who, you know, somebody asks, I think my spouse got X uh, increase, so they can ask for an increase, and it's free. And the same thing with a decrease, it's free. You don't have to go pay a lawyer or anything. Just get down there to the front of the court with your three pay stubs and tell them my income has changed. I'd like to have, I'd please like to have my order adjusted. Okay, so please get get that done. Uh, it's important and imperative for your own well-being and for your own mental health and maybe your physical health to get that uh, done. Okay, so that's what we said last week. Uh, I don't think anybody else is telling you the good stuff that you're supposed to be doing, but you're hearing it here, as we said, often imitated, never replicated. So uh, please, please follow some of the advice that we're putting out there for you. We don't think it's bad in any instance if you do the things that we're asking you to do. Again, if you don't believe us, contact a local local attorney uh, and get uh, some uh, counseling from the uh, attorney, and they'll tell you pretty much the same thing. Although they do work for a living and want payment for everything they do for you, so you can go that route if you want. We don't care. Please try and keep yourself from getting deeper in a hole. All right. So having said that, um, uh, we're going to skip this this week's definitions because uh, we got a pretty good quote this week, Jeff. If that's all right with. Did you have it? First of all, did you have anything on the messages and email? Uh, any more on those, Jeff? No, that's about all we can do for the people in Lordstown. Um, yeah. Just doesn't do any good to wear a red shirt on Wednesdays when there's nobody working in the plant. So um, we just support them as much as we can. Yeah. That's all we can yeah. do. Well, wearing that red shirt on Wednesday, even in the community, sends a message that, you know, we're standing strong and, you know, we're we're yeah. working to get that plant reopened down there, you know, all of us. So, yeah. you know, the red thing, it, it can work just in the community. It kind of tells the community the unions are good, you know, and yeah. we, we stand in solidarity. So, but you're right, yeah. you know, you if the plant's closed, you can't, or essentially closed, they got a few people there working on, um, you know, service parts for, you know, supply mm-hmm. the, the need for, for parts aftermarket. Uh, so that's uh, that's being done still. We'll see what occurs. And we like to see every, you know, a few people in that plant working until contract time because it could be we haven't discussed that and we don't want to because there's a, a big negative if they go to zero uh, in workers in there or even a very low number under, say, 10-ish. Uh, above that, they're still pretty covered, but uh, it, it changes the game when those numbers get lower, go to zero of the active workers in the plant. So 
it's just uh, we're hoping for that uh, to occur that they continue to keep a few people working throughout uh, the summer until the end of the contract, and then we'll see what happens then. Um, uh, having said that, I mean, there's, we've discussed it or had some of our people discuss it with international staff reps, by the way, and they didn't even know what we were talking about because they were you know, not aware of, of uh, the, the potential that could occur. So uh, just know that uh, we do try to keep the appropriate people appraised and, caution, and give them the cautions that they need if they can press uh, certain areas, then we want to make sure that they know what area to press. We support. We're loyal opposition and support our our union in every way. You know, we want to give you information and suggestions that help you. And sometimes they're going to be a little tough, but I'll tell you something, uh, well, we'll get into that in a little while in the, the uh, Mary Vera PR uh, report. So, uh, but I want to thank all of the email writers and all those people just called in and said, I'd like you to talk about this. Uh, so thank you very much for your input. Um, you know, if we uh, didn't get to your issue this week, uh, we'll certainly get it uh, on the air. Uh, and uh, I don't think we missed any, but sometimes they come in late. So having said that, uh, let's skip the definition this week. And uh, Jeff, do you want to... Uh, uh, talk about this week's quote, please. This week's quote. Uh, some, sometimes being right is not popular, and sometimes being popular is not right. And that's by Albert Einstein. And Al Ali. Uh, I don't right. know who the second guy is. Um, but uh, Al Ali was the uh, uh, 28-year-long bargaining chair for UAW Local 1112 at Lordstown. Ooh, okay. And he had that uh, above the back of his office on one of the, the posters or the, the, the framed things. He had a little, well, it looked like the size of a, um, a car bumper sticker. Uh, I don't think it was stuck on there, but it is it just something he had on, on behind his uh, desk. And he was asked about it once, and he said, I keep that up there for a reason because, you know, sometimes I do things that are right, but they're not popular, and sometimes they're popular, but, you know, things that they want done, and they're not right. So uh, it's almost reciprocal, but at the same time, uh, he was very, very strong uh, personality, uh, always had a smile on his face. I had the opportunity to meet a few times, talk with him, uh, he passed a while, a while ago. Uh, what an amazing man, and we wish for more like him. Uh, he was, uh, you know, always making a deal for the benefit of the membership, and everybody uh, who ever spoke about him, even while he was coming up or in office, said that everything he's ever done is for the benefit of membership, much like what we say at the beginning of our show. So it's uh, not so much as, to, you know, the, the thought that he was, uh, instrumental in making that Einstein quote popular, but also in remembrance of a very strong union leader who uh, faced plant closings in the past. Past, they announced in '98 they were going to close Lordstown, and they wound up not closing it. Even though he passed, he uh, he was able to help 
initiate some programs that uh, made made it possible to keep the plant open. Uh, we're not necessarily in the concessionary mode lately, uh, but we understand business as well. But you also understand the profits these corporations are making. So, with that said, um, uh, you know, and, and remembering Al Ali is a good thing. You know, he fixed a lot of stuff for the people, and he raised a good family. In the end, uh, you know, doing the right thing uh, when nobody's looking and doing the right thing sometimes when it's uh, not popular is in the end a measure of a man in his legacy as he passes on to his or her God. Okay, so uh, let's just remember those people that can do that. It's tough to do the right thing sometimes when it's not so popular. And it's, you know, it's the, it's real good to do something when right than when nobody's looking. And that's, that's when you can find out when they're, when they're really doing what they are. Yeah. They're out in the bar cajoling, trying to find a way to benefit, benefit themselves rather than membership. When nobody's looking, then, I guess you can speak, that speaks volumes about that person. So, well, uh, Jeff, that brings us to our, we got two topics tonight. We got about 15 or 20 minutes or so. Um, you want to reiterate, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about it, but you want to reiterate uh, the charge that we put on to uh, General Motors and our bargaining team uh, to make sure that the, the contract uh, comports with the UAW Constitution. You want to sort of uh, talk about that just a little bit, reiterate it? Yeah, um, our Constitution, um, which we are supposed to abide by and follow, change uh, section 22. And it reads, the International Secretary Treasurer shall issue a standard work permit card shall be furnished to local unions at cost. Such work permits shall be canceled or renewed 30 days from the date following a date contained thereon. The charge for each work permit or renewal by a local union shall be not less than the amount of the monthly dues set by the local union, which is one half of which shall be paid to the international union. It shall be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the work of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker from a period of more than three consecutive months. And this is a big problem in all the plans. And I have to say, shame on the UAW leadership downtown for not uh, enforcing this part of the Constitution. Uh, For their 90 days, they should be hired in full-time. Instead, now we have people who have been working for four or five years every day and still are part-time 
individuals. And my plant, some of them are already being let go because we are going down to one shift. And some of these people are single parents. They're losing their job. And it's just not right. We're going to make an issue of this. Trust me. We're going to make an issue of this. These temporary workers after 90 days are still working in the plant, still temporary for many years sometimes. They're, when they get laid off, they're not afforded subpay. Subpay was de- designed and, and created for the benefit of those uh, less able to fend for themselves that are first, first out. Uh, they are last in, and they're first out, the first ones to get laid off. So if you put this in temporary language, that just negates the subpay for these young people, and it shouldn't be that way. It was it was negotiated for the benefit of lower seniority people that might get laid off, and also they don't get the opportunity to transfer to other plants because they're not a seniority employee or member. So the Constitution says what Jeff's just said. The one thing about the Constitution that it did not say is the word temporary. And I'm sure that that will be the argument when we bring charges, if necessary, against anybody that had anything to do with retaining the current language in the agreement. As if that's removed, there is the the old 90-day language that still remains in the agreement. It's just been abrogated by this other language. So you pull that out, go back to 90 days, we'll be fine. Should you not, then we're going to try and enforce this. And the argument on on this will say, well, this doesn't say temporary. Let me just tell you so you don't get your little pea brain going too fast. Three three consecutive months is temporary. No later, no longer than a period of three consecutive months. Okay? They should not be issued for any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. That's temporary, brothers and sisters, so don't go there. It's not going to fly. This is a temporary work permit up to three consecutive months. That's between 89 days and 92 days, and that's why all of the Detroit 3 contracts have and still have retained the language 90 days and then you get seniority. And then they put this other language in there and lots of different iterations of it in the three contracts that abrogates that and says that these temporaries will be there in ad infinium until the parties, the national parties, decide to put them on. It's been well documented that in the case of General Motors, they're incapable of administering a complex agreement regarding this temporary language, and they've gotten two grievances, one on either side of the issue from Rich Latoro, the chairperson of Fort Wayne uh, Truck Assembly or Fort Wayne Assembly. Okay, good job, brother, holding them to feet to the fire. It's not your job to administer the agreement in this instance. It's their job to administer it, and they failed in both sides of the issue. And the lawsuit uh, is there because they failed. And you wrote a grievance on both sides because they failed, not us. You did a good job. And you added to the, the record that they can't administer this 
otherwise complex language. So thank you for what you're doing. Good job. And everybody in our team has said so. Everybody. And everybody we talk to and explain the issue to at your location understands it. You're doing a good job. So keep up the good work. Thank you very much. So those of you in charge of the contracts, this cycle, pay attention. This is something you got to get rid of. Okay? That's GM and our bargaining team from top to bottom. Everybody that's a signatory, make it happen. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, a little more. Uh, so uh, our next issue, Jeff, is Mary Barra's PR tour. What do you think uh, of that? Uh, I'm kind of hoping it's her farewell tour. Um, <laughs> she is going around these plants, doing the dog and pony show without any international or regional representatives being at the plant while she's there. And her opinion is, if she comes to your plant and there's nobody from the region, no international servicing rep there, you better get on the phone and start calling and asking why weren't they there? If Mary's there, somebody on union leadership should be there as well. But union leadership seems to be having their tail between their legs and not wanting to attend these things. And in my opinion, anytime top management is there in the plants, top union leaders should be in the plant at the same time. So right. hopefully we'll you know, get that farewell tour soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, regarding that, we, we do suggest that this international staff service and rep and at least the regional director and if the vice president of the division is uh, available, uh, then, uh, you know, you ought to be present here. They got in trouble when uh, Williams and Sergio were sitting next to each other, they started hugging each other. And I, for all the world, thought they were going to kiss there for a minute. And, uh, you know, they got in trouble by showing that sort of uh, familiarity with the uh, corporation. A corporation and a union, uh, there's capital and there's labor, and when they come together, they have enterprise. And, and both sides need to participate equally in that enterprise, fairly and equally, okay? So we want to make sure that uh, we get our bite out of the apple. But the relationship is adversarial, okay? Everything we want is in absolute contrast to what the corporation wants, okay? It's adversarial. That means that it's that we hold different positions, okay, and we make different arguments. They make one for them and their shareholders and the bondholders. We make one for our members, maybe the community a little bit, because in which our members exist, okay? But for our members first, 
those are adversarial positions. They're diametrically opposed. Okay? There are some middle grounds out there, but our core positions oppose one another. That does not mean they're confrontational. There are a lot of people out there spewing confrontation. I'm going to this, and I'm going to that. Stand with me. And no real substance is being offered like you're seeing here or, in some measure, from the international union and the local union leadership, like a Rich Latoro who's doing an amazing job there. Can't say that enough. This is a real tough issue, and he was put in a hell of a spot, and he found the way to do it correctly in the interest of the membership on both sides of the same issue. <laughs> he did it. That's amazing. You know, you ought to be thanking him. Just stop by his office and say thanks. Leroy said say thanks because you're doing a good job, and he is. Not many chairpersons can even understand both sides of that issue. The corporations certainly can't, or they wouldn't have had the issue out there. So when you have those diametrically opposed positions, then you have to do the best for your membership. Okay? And Mary's out there right now. It's contract time. She said there's 48. Uh, their goal is to get to 48 places. They've gone to five so far. One of them, three or four days after our last radio show, about, and they talk about a lot of stuff. Now the, the motive, there's like I said, 48, and they want been to five. So there's what 43 left that they're going to try and get to between now and contract time. I understand that to be their goal. So is it the PR tour because of the contract? Is it because of the, the problems they've caused in these communities and they're trying to say, oh, we, we woe is us, we are business people and we have to make hard decisions? Well, we're going to get into that a little bit, okay, about their hard decisions because they're not so damn hard. They can do the right thing, easy. Or... The other reason, so we're talking about contracts or just kind of, you know, educating the public about where they're at, making all these hard decisions. Or, or, <laughs> is she out there doing a PR campaign because the word treason is floating around in the air? You've heard about that, haven't you? There's a little document on the left sidebar you might want to read. So we don't know why they're out there doing this. We have our supposition. Uh, but that's as good as it gets at the moment. Now, uh, some of the things she said, 5%, we're in the five, top 5%, our workers are in the top 5% of the wages in the nation. Mary, here, here's a newsflash for you. We used to be in top 1% when, when half the country didn't make $9 an hour, minimum wage, essentially. McDonald's in my area just put up a sign, 14 bucks an hour to start. Okay? Just under the five fifteen that they want. They come in out. They're coming out now. If you want it, you know, you can check it out. It's on Jolly Road and Dunkel. Right there, big old sign, $14 to start. Just a little bit below General Motors starting wages. 
48% of the world, the United, I'm sorry, 48% of the United States qualifies for welfare. One of the largest corporations, Walmart, my understanding that they give an application for welfare when they hire you. I know you're going to qualify at nine bucks an hour, eighteen thousand a year. That's not a lot of money, folks. Not a lot at all. Uh, so to five percent, Flint, Michigan. When I worked there in the '70s, and you all know I did. A Chevrolet Flint manufacturer, not a brick of that building or that entire 78-acre complex that, that's still standing. There is the historic plaque saying it was the home of the sit-down strike, and that's it. There's a few walkways in it now called Chevrolet Commons. We were second in the nation for wages, second in the nation. That's considering New York and Chicago and Los Angeles, Las Vegas, all the Texas, Atlanta, we were second on the average wage of the community. Second only to Fairbanks, Alaska. Okay? I'm old enough to actually bring in some historical value, historical memory. Fairbanks, Alaska was number one. Flint, Michigan was number two. We were in the top 1%. And now we have, we're five in the top five in a nation that has 51% of the earnings made are earned by the top 1%. And 48% of the earnings made are, are done by people who qualify for welfare. And I've heard as high as in the 60s lately, people who qualify for welfare. So being the top five isn't really what it's measured up to be. It's just a big, fat, making numbers say what you want them to say. So it doesn't mean much. Mary? She said that she's dug in on the skilled trades issue, issues, and we'll see. We'll see. Um, we have something to say about that. The one thing she did say, she said that the temporary issue has become a problem. We thought that there was only a seven-year automotive, automotive cycle, and it wouldn't, we wouldn't need them that long. Mary, you've had them for 12 years, since 2007. Newsflash. That's when the first temporaries, as they exist now, started where you took their pension and their health care in retirement away from them, forcing them to work until they qualify for Medicare, 65, in order to have health care in retirement. So it's not seven years that you've had. You've had it for arguably 12, at least 11 and some. Okay, and you didn't make any adjustments at four or eight, okay, because of 2015 agreement was substantially, it was eight years after the 2007 agreement. So those temporary situation, you know, we've talked about all of that, you know, the not having sub pay and not being able to transfer, 
and how the UAW Constitution says that. And we're going to hold everybody to account. We're watching real hard. And Mary kind of gave up on that a little bit. She said, well, it's on the table, and we really need to discuss that. Well, you really needed to discuss it to the degree that it comports with the UAW Constitution. And that's, that's advice to all parties, every last one of you. Then she opened it up for questions. I'm going to try and keep this a little short, so I'll, uh, I'll ask for Jeff's input uh, if he has any additional on what he's there. Uh, but I'm going to, there's two others. She opened it up for ask us any question at all. Well, you know, the general membership isn't really uh, schooled on questions they should be asking the CEO, chair, chairman and CEO of General Motors. But we're going to school you right now. Okay? Here's question number one to ask Mary Barra. And I'm asking it right now myself. I'd like to hear an answer. How much money has General Motors in the past two decades, by year, appropriated from the revenue stream prior to the profit line to purchase corporate life insurance, also known as dead peasants insurance, on which, on all the retirees, the benefits of which upon the demise of the retiree are then sent tax-free to the executive suite pension fund for the, all of the executive leaders. Chairperson, CEO if they're different, president, CFO, COO, all the vice presidents, and maybe the board of directors. You don't know that one. How much money has been spent by year from the revenue stream to do that. And that's a question, by the way, that the bankruptcy judge questioned. And they said it was a necessary benefit that's commensurate with the other corporations in the nation and thereby needed, is my understanding of the explanation to the judge, who didn't like it, the bankruptcy judge, that all this money was being funneled into insurance and paid to them tax-free for all time, in their pension plans. Remember, Mark Fields had a, and it was reported in April of 17, and I gave a speech on the uh, Michigan Capital Steps that outed Mark Fields, the CEO of Ford, for having an $858 million pension. Now, you can imagine why he got that much. He only made $21 million a year. He'd only worked there 32 years. It was 34 point. Uh, times higher than his highest wage ever. And that's with no taxes or any uh, uh, cost of living expense coming out of his, his, his wages. $858 million. Three weeks later to the day that May, that May 1st speech I gave, on May 21st, Ford, uh, CEO of Ford was fired. Now you guess why, but, you know, he was fired nonetheless. He laughed all the way to the bank so that he could get his semi-tractor-trailer truck, fill it up, and leave. Oh, sorry, fill it up with $100 bills and leave. Yeah. So, 
uh, ask that question, how much money have they spent on debt peasants insurance, essentially, by year for the last two decades? Arguably, a lot of people think that that caused the GM bankruptcy. Next question. At the low of the market in March 6, 2009, the hourly pension fund was about $62 billion. Subsequent to that, in the last 10 years, the market has gone as high as 350% higher than what it was at 6640 and it got this 26600 or 700 uh, at its highest, maybe 800, somewhere pretty close to 27,000. Arguably, it's 350% uh, plus or minus a little bit. That's a lot of increase in the overall marketplace and all of the stock and bonds benefit by all that. Pension fund did not appreciate from $62 billion up 350%, but rather fell $3 billion. My last statement, I believe, said it was $59 billion for the pension fund. Why did the pension fund not, this is the question, for Mary Barra, why did the pension fund, question number two, not appreciate commensurate to the market? Understandably, there are certain things that pension funds may not invest in, in risky uh, uh, elements, but they may purchase stock to some degree. So there are some excluded investment types but even if they're investing in real estate, real estate's gone up substantially as well. Why did the pension fund essentially remain the same, going down by about $3 billion or, um, what's that, 5%, when everything else went up 350%? Did you, secondary question, did you somehow siphon money from the pension plan and now, if it falls, are relieved from making that pension fund whole again. So there's two real important questions, because if they put all of that, once we find out how much they actually invested in corporate, well, for themselves, the interest of themselves, not the interest of uh, employees, stockholders, bondholders, uh, government or the communities in which they exist, but for themselves, the top 65 or 70 people, I think there are 65 vice presidents in this damn organization, and, you know, I love it. You know, I mean, we all care for our own corporation. We try to buy, you know, a product that Jeff just bought a, a Ford product. I own a GM product, okay? So uh, we try to, you know, help you, but uh, are you helping the corporation itself, or are you helping yourself at the leadership level? So those are two questions. One about corporate life insurance, a.k.a. dead peasants insurance, and one about what you did uh, regarding the pension to stifle it from any appreciation commensurate to the, the overall marketplace. Two really good questions to ask her. I, I'd like you, next time she shows up at one of your plants, 
if you're able to get to have her open her mouth and say, ask us anything, ask him a couple of those questions, one one each of you, ask those two questions. That'll that'll bring some light out there, some light out there, right? So, Jeff, you got anything to talk about on the on the, the Mary Vera public relations tour? No, I just want to be part of the uh, fair work tour. <laughs> I want to witness that. Um, I think it's coming soon. I think her time. What's that? Her, her farewell tour. Oh, her farewell tour. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to watch that. I want front row seats. Yeah. I think it's coming up pretty soon. Well, yeah, I think so too. The, uh, you know, we don't know private conversations, but it has uh, been said in an article that there was a lot of pressure by some of the by five of the hedge funds uh, for her to make them more profit, uh, and mm-hmm. um, you know that she's now made all these plants unallocated. But see if she, if if they if they really want to make sure that they get their larger bite out of the apple because the stock's not doing all that well for a lot of their own business decisions. I mean, one, uh, in the in the PR tour she just had in Tonawanda, and by the way, we again, we had boots on the ground up there that, that we sent there, and uh, we got uh, reports from several people. So uh, that, that's where we got our information. Uh, uh, the... Uh, 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 notion that uh, the uh, tour could be a farewell tour is if these hedge funds realize exactly and specifically how much money from the revenue stream before the profit line that drives the cost of stock, price of stock, how much money is being diverted into corporate life insurance for the benefit of these top executives. Okay. Because I'm understanding that it's billions, billions upon billions. Okay, if one person, Mark Field, CEO of Ford, had near almost a billion, 8.48% of a billion, okay, 80, that'd be 85.8% of a billion, 80, yeah, yeah, 850, 858, you know, so it's uh, 85.8. Eight percent of a billion dollars. If he, a single person, had that, what does everybody else have? So this is billions being siphoned and off, billions by the corporate executives. Not just GM, Ford, Chrysler. This is all of the corporations, as was reported out to the bankruptcy judge. We need this to be competitive with the others. Okay, yeah. So. The hedge funds, they want to find out the money, not just from GM, Ford, and Chrysler, but all of the stocks out there. Go to the local corporations and ask them exactly and specifically how much money per year over the last two decades you have siphoned from the revenue stream before profit into debt peasants insurance, corporate life insurance, also known as, and then benefited by that money's personally, in your pension fund. And if you stop that, hedge funds, your money, our money, government's money, bondholders, 
you stockholders, the hedge fund stockholders, and the and the communities in which these corporations exist, all of them, nationwide, not just the Detroit Three. If you want to do some real good, get into that. You go down there. You got lobbyists in Congress. Go down there and tell them to stop it. Three executive orders. If I were president of the United States, three executive orders would write our nation. Three. There's some other things that need to be done, but those three would put us with our mast for the United the ship of the United States of America would be back up straight high and a flag flying and flapping in the wind like no other time in the last five decades. Since the Powell Memorandum. So, you want to do some good hedge funds? Get on her about that. All the rest of them, too. Not just her. Not just her. So, uh, and, of course, you know, what happened to the pension funds? You know, did that money get put over there into dead peasants insurance? We don't know. But it's a good question to find out the answer to, because they said ask us anything, remember? <laughs> so, yeah, Jeff. <laughs> it, it well could be a farewell tour. But if, these, if these hedge funds find out exactly and specifically what we just talked about, they are going to be really damn good and pissed when they find out they're making billionaires out of these uh, corporate management people. Okay, they're there withdrawing a pretty good salary, aren't they? $21 million a year, that's pretty good money. You know, they yeah. can buy a couple six, $7 million yachts a year if they wanted to, you know? I know, you know, new jet, well, used jet, a real nice one, about $3.5, $4.5 million. You know, they could buy four or five of those for their personal use. Yeah. A couple of yachts. That's in a single year. <laughs> it's something else. Uh, so with nothing more to talk about, Mary Barra's public relations tour and or the farewell tour coming Soon to you to go to a community you soon. I can't hardly help myself. Uh, Jeff, you just hit that nail right on the head, brother. The farewell tour. Um, yeah, there's a lot of communities that you hurt, Mary. You know, when you ask the question, how many have been transferred here to Lordstown? 75% of the hands moved up. How many have been transferred one other time besides that? Have you been transferred twice? 50% of the hands went up. In the, This is the whole plant in a room. 50% of the people have been transferred twice. They've had to give up their family, friends, get divorced in some instances, lose their kids in some instances, not see their kids in some instances. And all the ramification that comes from an angry spouse, on top of all of that, where they may never see their kids again. I can testify. You've caused that for no reason, none whatsoever. Because if dead peasants insurance wasn't being done, there'd be plenty of money to keep all the plants open. Plenty of money. And that my brothers and sisters on the bargaining team, is how you pay for everything that we're going to 
discuss in a matter of few next few weeks ending dead peasants insurance. And it's also key to our next issue, Volkswagen. Volkswagen announced this past or UAW at Volkswagen, Local 42, announced that they're going to have another uh, filing with the NLRB. They filed it already in order to have a certification vote at the Volkswagen Chattanooga facility. This was turned down twice before. The last time they turned it down when the people on that were voting actually read the verbiage and language in the certification vote that included a neutrality agreement that was very vague and included the inclusion of a German work-style union, works, yeah, German work-style committee that management runs the election for. A whole lot of stuff. We've covered that on other radio shows uh, about that. So um, we support and we want this to happen. It is a plank in our uh, plan and remains a plank in our plan to organize the very best that we can all of the transplants. Just going to talk about that in a minute. And uh, especially not including the German Works Council and not including a neutrality agreement, but rather bargaining a unit-specific agreement. So, uh, Jeff, along those lines about transplant, uh, you actually began at a transplant and helped form, and you were a original uh, charter officer, union officer, I believe, at that local. Uh, please enlighten the listeners about what occurred at your facility and the other two facilities that were transplants at the time. Sure. Um, actually, there was five. We already had Toyota here that did not want the union. We had Honda in Ohio, and it opened up before Mazda, Diamond Star, and Numi. Um, Mazda came in here and went directly to talk to Owen Beaver. They didn't go to a Ford family and talk. They wanted to talk to the uh, Owen Beaver to get a non-adversarial uh, uh, union. Um, we had we voted our contract in uh, maybe six months after I hired in in 1987. Um, we had a lot of things that was um, for good. Um, Volkswagen at the time, right now, has probably some pretty good benefits that uh, no other auto company has. Um, they get a, uh, a car voucher. Uh, they make almost the same amount of money as the big three. Mazda, we 
we voted in our own agreement. We didn't fall under the National Board Agreement. We had some pretty good things, too, um, before we became Ford workers in 97. We had um, attendance bonuses. If you didn't miss a day work in every quarter, you got a $300 bonus. You, We got health care and our vacation time. The very first day we walked into the plant, um, we didn't get profit sharing, but we got what they called a uh, performance bonus, and that was based off of the number of hours that you worked in the plant for that time period. And some of those um, performance bonuses were bigger than profit sharing in the big three at the time. Um, we, had, we had to start from ground up with the help of um, Dick Shoemaker, who was the AA for Owen Beaver, and then we had help from Region 1 direct, 1A director at the time, Ernie Lofton, and we came out with some pretty good contracts. And even though at the time people were wanting to become Ford employees because we were making the Ford probe, Ford owned half a Mazda at that time. Um, and when we did that in 97, people just, they they knew they made a mistake. Um, Ford came in and changed everything around. And they continue to do it now. So I'm looking at doing the same thing with Volkswagen. And we we did the same thing with Numi and Diamond Star. We all had our local agreements. Numi was uh, partnered up with um, um, GM in Northern California. And I think that's where Tesla, they took over that plant recently. And I think that's where Murder making that car. Um, Diamond Star was in Indiana, I believe, and I think it was partnered up with uh, Mitsubishi and, and Chrysler. But just because you're not in, in a member of the big three, you can still get some pretty decent contracts and some different perks. Could be better than what we have now. Um, right. And so you're you're recommending, uh, you know, that they kind of follow your model uh, is exactly. what I think you said that uh, is something that you'd like to have done, uh, that they kind of follow your model, that they, uh, mm-hmm. they certify as a union and then they negotiate their own contract rather than exactly. have some neutrality agreement uh, imposed upon them. Uh, yep, we, let me say we this about a side about neutrality agreements. In 
Columbus, Ohio, I believe it was, at Lear, they certified and they never saw their collective bargaining agreement because of the, the boilerplate one for the international says it'll be uh, like a uh, commensurate collective bargaining agreement. Well, commensurate or whatever that term is that they use in their boilerplate one uh, needs to be more specific uh, so that these people operated under a neutrality agreement and never saw a collective bargaining agreement for 10 years. And then it was found out that Bob King had signed an agreement for them to operate under, uh, uh, unbeknownst to all of the members. And when they asked about what is our collective bargaining agreement, want a copy of it, they were never afforded that. So it was a secret under the neutrality agreement. That's simply wrong. And there's a whole lot of other stuff that if you read uh, 29 USC, you'll find out how bad that is doing something like that. Uh, So we're not going to get into those specifics because we want our bargaining team to be armed with, and our organizing teams to be armed with the best possible information as they go forward. So that's a little about neutrality agreements. So, Jeff, if you would continue on on the rest of what you want to talk about, I just want everybody to understand the the problems with the neutrality agreement. Okay, so. Yeah. We we started from the ground up. We negotiated our pay raises, and at the time we got a 3% pay raise every six months. So after 18 months, we were at the top pay at the plant at the time, which was fairly close to the big three, just a little bit under. Um, we had to do it all from scratch. And Mr. Shoemaker, who I have a lot of respect for, because some of the things he got for us, I just couldn't believe um, at the time. Um we negotiated our benefits. We had better health insurance. We had a 401k match for every dollar that the employee put into his 401k. Mazda put in a quarter for every dollar. And savings bonds, we were able to have a really good deal to get a savings bond once a month. I know I... I as many as I could. Um, you know, helped me out get my son through college. But um, we got some things doing our local agreement that we did pretty good. We did pretty good. And you got to remember when you, every contract cycle, when, when there's big three calls and negotiations, this fall, um, everything's on the table. Everything. Just start from scratch. Okay? And we us at Mazda, we didn't have a whole lot of former auto workers hired. They hired people who worked at Taco Bell. They had people who who, who worked at 
bicycle shops building bicycles because um, they didn't want people with old habits they wanted to start scratch to train them how to do things properly and so as bad as we thought it was back then because of the language barrier and the work ethics between the Japanese and the Americans. Um, it's two different cultures. And sometimes it blew up in our face. But all in all, if you ask any of our original Mazda employees if they would have rather have the Japanese back or Ford, they would tell you they would much rather have the Japanese back running the plant. And now they're teaming up with Toyota, I believe. Um, it's you got to be patient to think of everything. you got to... Everything in the 700 pages of the Ford National Agreement is a lot. Some of it's redundant. Don't need to be in there. Um, but our first contract was probably a couple hundred pages. And um, at the time, it was pretty good. Now, we got uh, our workers got harassed out in the public because we all wore the same uniform. And our union brothers from other plants uh, kind of rebelled against us, insulted us for um, working for the Japanese company. But keep in mind, folks, like that work, the Gerber Works Council is not right. Do not vote for it if it has a Germans Works Council in it because you will lose. You will lose. You will, you don't have a voice. So in, in your model at Mazda, you were still under American-style union. It was just a, a management style that the Japanese brought for their own management purposes. Is that, you know, like wearing a uniform and, and uh, you know, they, they had a different uh, remuneration package, uh, you mm -hmm. know, than, than you had. When you changed, didn't you lose for a couple of years? Didn't you lose something for two years that you had to catch Me. up? We um we that's changed from Mazda UAW to Ford UAW under the Ford agreement. Yeah, we we were the first ones to have Veterans Day as a holiday. The big three didn't have it. So when we became Ford in nineteen ninety seven, we lost Veterans Day for two years until the nineteen ninety nine national agreement and we got it back. Um, you know, we got the EA plan and so on. And um, people were mad from other places, Ford members. We kept our original higher date seniority. They thought that we should have our seniority date as the date that we became Ford employees. Well, that was all part of the transition agreement from going from Mazda to Ford, that we kept our original plant higher date as our seniority. 
and it caused some problems when people started going, transferring to other plans. And um, but just just be careful. Read everything you can. Go to meetings. Questions at the meetings. You know, right. and certainly read the certification vote itself. Yes. Uh, you know, we've had yes. people down there, and we've gotten calls from people down there, texts and emails uh, mm-hmm. at Chattanooga that work there, actually work there. Uh, and, you know, they want to be unionized because they know the value of collective bargaining. You know, they know that it's better when you have a whole bundle of sticks as opposed to having one stick and you're trying to bend it over your knee, the single or the, the one or two that you put over your knee and bend it, it'll break. But if you yes. have a whole bundle, it doesn't break, and they see the value of that. Yep. They're not, you know, you know, uneducated people. These are pretty smart people, uh, you know, and they, they work at, at uh, Volkswagen. Their current package is not all that bad. I mean, they get a car and, you know, their, their payments – for your car, like $135 a month. It's, you know, I mean, and the rest is subsidized for them. This is, this, they get pretty good benefit, okay? Yep. Uh, and there's some other things they have down there. Uh, they pay very little out of pocket for, for health care. They go and, you know, it's very little. And their biggest concern right now is the unknown. They're worried about the unknown. And, Jeff, you had a real, real good a suggestion uh, as we talked with our, our people that have been down there and some that called um, and in our team. Uh, you had a real good suggestion about a, uh, a blanket agreement for the transplants that would be yeah. their boilerplate, not only for this one, but all in the future. So that makes it a whole lot easier when you can point to something and say, this is expected to be your remuneration package, okay? Mm-hmm. And then so you don't have the the neutrality agreement that's, you know, some sort of a, a mythical thing that could be held in abatement and secret for 10 years, as we've seen in the past, historically. We're trying to give some advice on getting them organized and getting not just Volkswagen, but all of the transplants organized, okay? Mm-hmm. And one thing to have you suggested, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I heard it from other people in, after our, our own uh, call that uh, the other people said, you know, Jeff had a crazy, an amazing idea there. It's just amazing. Uh, so uh, that you, you said that you, you should have a master agreement much like the Detroit Three, and they would have pattern bargaining for all the transplants. Okay. Yeah. Now they might not pattern for the Detroit Three, but they'd be patterned for the transplants. And they're not going to go from twenty-two bucks an hour or twenty-three dollars an hour to thirty. That's just simply not going to happen. But there may be a progression for that to occur in a pattern bargaining. And at some point, maybe the pattern bargaining goes for for the entire auto industry, but. For now, you know, you've got to take baby steps, okay? So you mm-hmm. have to have a, you know, a 5, 10, 15, 20-year plan to get, like they did with the, with the Powell Memorandum, in order to make this work and, and build our union back to what it's supposed to be, okay? But you said 
that we you didn't you say that we should have a, 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 a umbrella collective bargaining agreement and pattern bargaining for all the, the the transplants? Did you not say that? I did say that. Yes. That was a great suggestion, my friend. And we suggest that. Okay, that you start from scratch. You don't come in with a neutrality agreement. These people are scared shitless down there. Okay, they're listening, by the way. They don't, they're fearful of the unknown, and you're not telling them. One of the things, some of the things that we said in our plan is that, one, we would invite the German Works Council to leave. We never put it in an agreement, and we'd invite them to leave. There's an office the last I knew, at Spring Hill, Tennessee, Local Union 1853, for the German Style Works Council official to sit there. That's a threat to them of the unknown, that you're going to bring them in there the second that they organize. Invite them to leave. Okay? It's a suggestion. If you really want to organize the transplants, you need to invite them to leave. A neutrality agreement. You don't come out there with something that's uh, uh, an unknown for the next 10 years, like happened at Lear in Columbus, Ohio. And only through the hard and difficult work of a single woman, God bless her, she found this agreement and outed it. And it had Bob King's signature on it, and they kept it secret, the neutrality agreement. So those kind of things in a neutrality agreement, just start and say, we're going to start from base, and you're not going to lose, and our goal is to enhance your, your, remun your remuneration package. I'm getting a little dry here. So as you enhance your remuneration package, wages, benefits, and hours of work, the three mandatory subjects of bargaining, okay, you're going to enhance them for them all their health care benefits, et cetera, to the best you can. You're going to maintain and try and get them more. Okay? So there's no neutrality agreement that's a cloud of ins ins uncertainty. And there's no German Works Council that violates the federal law of the United States. Because they're down there going, this America, this America, we don't want. No German Works Council here. This is America. We want American law. If we need to change it, let's change American law, not German Works Council law, where the corporation holds the election and members of management are on it. Salary people are on the German Works Council. Just translate German Works Council and go over to the uh, uh, Google and throw it in there and find out problems with German Works Council. Several hundred hits come back with problems for them. Okay? These people are scared down there. They want to be a union. But you got to know that you have to give them something they want and fully understand. And you have to debunk the last time you tried to pour Kool-Aid down their mouth and it was piss that you're pissing on their head. You got to change in order to get this to be successful. This is America. 
and they're United States citizens, many of whom have fought in the military service to preserve our nation. And they want a good, solid union to represent them. And they want all the fear of the unknown to be taken away. And Volkswagen will vote yes. Give them a pattern agreement, pattern bargaining for all of them, the transplants. Now you have something to point to. So the next ones, the Mercedes-Benz, Mazdas, you know, all of them can say, that's the kind of agreement we're going to get. And we're down for that. No neutrality, worried about what's going to come. We know what's coming, that right there that Volkswagen has. And we know we're not going to have a foreign company running a foreign union in our nation. It's going to be the United Auto Workers. Okay? So Jeff had the best idea. Let's have pattern bargaining for all the transplants. Okay? Take the fear away. Remove the fear because they're scared shitless. We've talked to them. We've had people there. We've got text messages, emails. They're worried about the unknown. Make it transparent. Tell them they're not going to get dead peasants insurance. You're not going to authorize that for the retirees. So that money doesn't go to the benefit of the corporate leaders, but rather to them. Tell them that. Be open and transparent. Remove the fear and they'll vote affirmatively to be represented by our great union. Let's make it great again. Would you say that's correct, Jeff? Yes, I would. You I, heard from them. I mean, so. Yeah. I've, I've heard from them, yep. I've had a couple uh, talk to me. I had to block yeah. one woman because it seemed like she was constantly on Facebook waiting for me to log on, and she started asking me questions. Now, her husband worked in the plant, and... She just wanted to talk, 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 and I was working 10-hour shifts, and, you know, it was getting so bad I had to block her. She was contacting me so much, you know. Right. Um, but that's the fear but, that, that's driving this. They don't it know, It is right? the fear, yes. That's right. the fear. And then Chattanooga also had a big billboard on the on one of the interstates near the plant. It's a picture of an old right here in Detroit. Run down, beat up, no windows. And it said, look what unions did to Detroit. Well, that particular building was the old um, Packard plant that had closed here in Detroit in 1959. It was still standing. So they're putting that fear factor in, too. The unions were shut down the plant. Right. And unions don't shut down plants. People they don't that I'm talking people. to want to be unionized down there. You're right. Companies shut down plants, not unions. The amount of money that we're paid relative to the cost of a vehicle is negligible. 
negligent. In General Motors, it's nearly, I mean, for as long as I've known, it's been under $1,000 per vehicle. Might be just a little over that now, but not much. Okay? So understand your workforce there. Understand the demographics of the workforce. Be demographic demographically compatible as you communicate with them. Take away the fear of a neutrality agreement. Take away the fear of a uh, works council, German-style works council. Take away the fear of monies being diverted from the profit line in their pockets into the executives through a, a uh, corporate life insurance, for example. Go down there and communicate that. Need some help. You know, you all know how to get a hold of us. We're happy to help. We want this to be successful. And it's in our plan to be successful. Those things, get a pattern agreement for the transplant so you can point to the best one when you first get it, and then you've got to really hold their feet to the fire at, Lord's, or at Volkswagen, Chattanooga. you got to hold their feet to the fire. you got to get a better agreement than they got. Okay? you got to get better remuneration package than they got. And this is not the promise of a whole bunch of clipboarders walking around the plant because they were doing that last time. People didn't like hearing that. Oh, so-and-so's already got a... The job picked out, he's not going to have to work, or she's not going to have to work on the floor. I don't think that's right. This is supposed to be shared workload, not just you get in here and half the people, you know, not half, but a lot of people get a clipboard job. I want to be a clipboard. How did they get that notion in their head? I'm going to be, who told them they're going to be a clipboarder? You know, have some common sense when you help to negotiate for certification down there. Okay? Just understand they want to be unionized. They see the value of it. They're smart people. Even those that bother Jeff are smart people and ask a lot of questions out of fear. Right? Take the fear away and you can, you know, and point to all the good things you're doing. Okay, all the good things. These are the things that are in, we're going to be working on in the contract, and we expect that this is going to occur. You know, the temporary situation is going to go away. They don't have a big temporary situation down there. They might have it, but it's they, they get moved up pretty quick from temporary to seniority status. There's a pathway that we don't have right now. Okay, they do have temporaries. I'm not saying they don't. But there's a pathway, and they get hired. They also have so, some retirees down there now, too. Right, right. The retirees don't want to have language in their agreements. They take half your pension away. Right? In fact, we're going to try and get that out of ours. They don't want to lose what they have. We know it's federal law, but they can appeal federal law. A contract is automatic. Okay. So anything else on Volkswagen, Jeff? No, just tell people, as many people as they can at, at meetings, 
some roundtable discussions, uh, come up with a game plan, and make a list of goals they want to meet, and um, start from there. Right. um, Make it a real simple yes or no vote. I want to be member of the UAW. Yeah. Okay. With with the promise from the UAW that they won't lose anything, Mm -hmm. only gain. You know, we're going to keep what you got. We're going to work to get more. That's a real. That's what we're supposed to be doing all the time, anyhow. Stop being so damn fancy, and you're going to get them to certify down there for you. you just will. Yep. Stop being over, overthinking things and being too fancy. So, anything else on any topic, Jeff? We're getting long here. We got about seven minutes left, so uh, almost two hours. Uh, you, you got anything that you'd like to? Uh, talk about for a couple minutes, or are you good? Well, I think I'm good. Um, I don't know, next week we won't have a show because of the holiday, and we want to wish everybody a safe and happy holiday. Um, so, that's all I can say, Leroy. Okay, sure. We all We all hope everybody has a safe and happy Easter holiday. Good Friday will be there as well. A lot of people are having to be forced to work this weekend, uh, we know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're they're going to get next weekend off. Uh, it'll be a three-day four weekend. weekend. Four, oh, it's four-day working weekend now. I'm sorry, four-day work weekend. So hopefully they can get that time off in most of the units. So the parts parts uh, plants they usually don't have that that time luxury because they got to get the parts uh, out to the vendors. Uh, get them out there, somebody's car is disabled. So they're going to be working at least a skeleton crew in the, those plants. Many of you right. don't have that luxury of knowing that, but I did that and worked there for a while too. So, um, uh, so yeah, have a good holiday, everybody, in four days. forgot we got Monday now. So uh, the uh, one last thing I want to talk about with, with regard to this 5%, uh, we're the top 5% of wages in the nation. Uh, in the late 70s, I just want to be real clear how much wages have been suppressed and why we were at the top 1% at that time. Second, Flint, second only to Fairbanks, Alaska. You can go back and check the reports. It's there. The... Um, only thing that I know of that's absolutely kept up properly with inflation is the Social Security that you pay in every year and when that's paid off. Back in the day, end of April, here in a couple of weeks, we'd have it paid off. First week in May, if you was working overtime, maybe in April, but the first week in May, you know, you'd work in normal overtime, you'd have it paid off. Okay, today that number is $119,500. I think they got an increase, but that's my last one that I can quote. We would have that paid off the 1st of May, 119000 120 might as well say. So that's one-third of the year we'd have that number paid off. So we'd already made $120,000 in today's dollars back in the late 70s. That was our buying power. The reason we were number one, I'm sorry, number two 
in Flint, in the top 1%, is because we made the same amount of money in the second third and the last third of the year. We were making approximately our buying power at that time as an auto worker was about $360,000. Talk to some retiree and ask them when they paid off Social Security for the year. And the rest of it was tax, Social Security free. Social Security free. That's $360,000. And the best people that I know, 90 to 100. So they're being suppressed by three and a half times at the very top of our wage brackets. Maybe, you know, they might make 120 all year on a you know, on skilled trades working night and day. Okay, that's only a third of what we used to make. So wages have been suppressed that much. So keep that in mind when people tell you that you're in the top 5%. Ask Mary Barrett, why aren't we in the top 1% like we used to be? That's another question for her. Okay. We're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, I'm just going to say that was my last comment. Jeff's already had his. We do want to wish you all a happy uh, uh, Easter holiday weekend, four days for most of you. Um, I know some of you had to work today, uh, forced, as a matter of fact. And so uh, just know that uh, uh, that's, uh, you know, Sort of a, a one of the things that you have, have to put up with, I guess. You know, it's not the best. Uh, I'm looking for who to uh, who to thank here. I've lost a couple of my links that I had up on who to thank. But thanks everybody around the world. Uh, we had uh, even South Korea's listening. Uh, you know, the Scandinavian countries. Let's thank Mexico and Canada, all the United States. Uh, I hope uh, I'm getting some pings here. So what ping did we have come in? We only have a few seconds left. Thanks, everybody. Uh, uh, the electric bolt may be coming. Uh, this is Somebody just sent in something about the electric bolt might be built somewhere in the United States and uh, another electric vehicle we don't know. Having said all of that, we're out of time. Uh, we're on a hard stop here. So thanks, everybody around the nation, the world, Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Have a great week. We'll see you in two weeks. We're not going to have a show next week for Easter holiday. Have a great one. Good night. Good night, listeners. Good night, Jeff. Another one. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.